This podcast is a project of the Medina Focus, with the goal of providing space for collaboration and community among practitioners to the Muslim diaspora in North America. As people around the world have immigrated to the West, many Christians have realized that they live and work in the midst of the nations, and they often feel alone and unprepared to communicate cross-culturally. If you're looking for conversation and community surrounding issues of loving Muslim friends in Jesus' name, we welcome you into the conversation. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. I'm Brian. And I'm Nate. And today we've got an interesting show for you where we talk about uh, size of organizations, newness of organizations as it relates to being nimble. And uh, I'm reminded there's there's this movie I watched as a kid. Uh, it was had Gene Hackman in it. It was called Enemy of the State. It's 1998. It goes way back. Um, yeah, my kids. I, to me, that's still recent. But my kids are like, oh, it's such an old movie. Um, and there's this one scene where they're they're trying to find somebody, and the Gene Hackman character talks about. Uh, he says in guerrilla warfare, you try to use your weakness as strengths. And his opposite character goes such as, and he says, well, if they're big and you're small, then you're mobile and they're slow. And so I think it's important that we recognize that every size and kind of organization, kind of like members of the body, has their role. Um, but, you know, my eye is certainly not a, a, a working implement, though it's very useful in the process of working. It keeps me from losing the finger in the shop. Um, but you know, I have to have my hand to grip it and I have to have my arm to move the hand and to push the saw. And so, uh, at the same time, every, every kind of organization has their advantages and disadvantages. And so our two guests today are, are two gentlemen who have both started their own organization. And so it's relatively new, young organizations that are, are on the less established side. And so they're going to share with us about the advantages and disadvantages uh, that they that they face and uh, how that is working out for them and some of the new places that they're going, the new projects they're able to do, and the new people that they're able to mobilize. And so we have Matt joining us today. He's married to Julie, and they have four kids. He lived in western China, uh, and he also lived in Uganda, and he's the founder of Forefront. Uh, he founded this to train people on the field and they changed their focus to the U.S. Uh, based Unreached in around t- uh, 2014. And so they kind of made a shift there. Uh, and he helps lead the Muslim focused team of full time workers in the Dallas Fort Worth area. Uh, we also have uh, Bobby, who's the president of Go10 which stands for Go to Every Nation. Bobby and his wife, Angie, founded Go10 while they were serving on the mission field um, among an an unreached people group in South Asia. And since its beginning, uh, Go10 has been focused on introducing Jesus to people that have little or no access to them. And they have missionaries in four countries. One of those countries is the United States. So like Matt with Forefront, they also have a diaspora focus here. Uh, Bobby and Angie live in Phoenix, Arizona, where they lead a staff of 20 missionaries who are ministering to unreached refugees in Texas, Colorado, and Arizona. Uh, They desire to see the church mobilized locally and refugees return as missionaries among their own people. Hey, Matt and Bobby, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for for having me. Yeah, it's good to be here. We're excited to to hear about your... uh, nimble agencies and and uh how those work what they're called even so why don't each of you tell us a little bit about uh the organization that you're representing today like uh you know the 
the mission and vision stuff and uh, the names and where you're located and stuff like that. Bobby, why don't we start with you? All right. Sounds good. Yeah. I represent Go10, which is an acronym that stands for Go to Every Nation. And uh, our focus from the, the beginning has been on uh, unreached people, people with little to no access to the gospel. And so, yeah, it, our, our, our vision started by just mobilizing and sending. And then phase two of that was training and equipping people before we sent them to the unreached. And so we thought the best place to do that would be among internationals in the United States. And through that process, we discovered that refugees still live in community. Um, so there were apartment complexes um, in various cities where refugees were living. You could go into these apartments and, um, and it smells like Asia. It looks like Africa. And it was a great place to to plant a missionary to be trained before we sent them out. And so that, yeah, that was phase two is that we would train, equip, and then send them. And then phase three was that we would actually have an impact on refugees here that we didn't, I guess we, we just saw them in the sandbox in the beginning. And now they become better missionaries than the Western people we were trying to send. So that's phase three is actually sending refugees back to their home people. Um, in after they've gone through our training right here. So, there's a little bit of go 10 is that we're, we're laser focused on unreached people. And um, we've recognized that the unreached have moved to the United States. And so they, they're not just a, a people to reach, but they're a, a missionary sending force as well. Yeah, that's great. Um, so in a lot of really similar ways uh, to what Bobby has, has said there. So we, we started Forefront um, and, and actually our goal originally was to train people on the field. So, so what we saw is we saw young adults who were moving overseas who did not have any training. And so essentially what we said is, is we're going to, we're going to try to train these people on the field who are going anyways without training. Um, now that, that we, we, that kind of took a couple of different iterations and, and looked different ways. Uh, and then things progressed and, and altered organizationally for us. We ended up with people back in America and, um, and and in really similar ways to what Bobby has shared, realized, man, God is bringing the nations in a, in a different way to the U.S., uh, especially from unreached places. And these people, while, you know, they're moving from Afghanistan and Syria and Iraq and Burma and Bhutan, they're moving here and they're still living in communities where they will remain largely unreached unless someone enters into that community. And so that's that's kind of where we began to shift our focus was away from overseas and sending uh, into stateside work among refugees, international students, um, other economic immigrants, people who were coming here from un historically unreached places like Bobby shared uh, to, to the U.S. and working to engage those individuals here uh, and so that you know that that looks kind of different you know some some sometimes that's people who are preparing to go who you know their their runway might be a little bit longer uh, but also one of the main things that we've done is is train and equip churches to effectively engage those populations and so in a city like dallas where i'm at you know the dallas is increasingly diverse every single day so there are more people moving to dallas who are who are foreign born 
than were here the day before. And so unless the church is equipped to reach those individuals, they're becoming decreasingly effective. And so our goal is to walk alongside churches and to train and equip them to, you know, to, to love well the people that are living near them. And many of those people are coming from unreached places. You know, many of them whose, you know, kids go to their kids' schools or schools neighbors or whatever it is you know those those individuals are, are are coming from places where they have historically had no access to the gospel and god is giving us the ability to reach them uh in in unprecedented ways so that's a that's a big piece of what we do and then obviously we have people on staff who are uh who are full-time focused on being uh, in the community building relationships serving people introducing them to jesus uh, and so that's another big piece of what we do is spending time in the harvest as well. That's awesome. So yeah, Forefront experiences in Dallas. You're, you're in other locations as well. I'd love to hear like from both of you guys where where you're located as well. That'd be great. Yeah, so we have uh, we have groups who are here in Dallas, uh, Dallas Fort Worth. Uh, we have a we have a group in Northwest Arkansas. Um, we have a group in Memphis, and then also. In Minneapolis, St. Paul, and then we have a couple of other kind of non-staff uh, groups that we that we work with that are kind of a part of, somewhat a part of what we're doing, but aren't actually on staff, uh, who are in other places as well that we train and equip in those in those areas. Yeah, um, interestingly, we're actually in Dallas as well, and I've never actually met Matt before today's first day i've seen his face and heard his voice and so we definitely probably have some collaborating to do in that area maybe actually in the same neighborhood who knows but we're in we're in dallas and our our dallas uh site's about to expand into fort worth as well and uh, three different communities work in here in phoenix and uh one uh, additional community working in colorado springs so kind of like what matt said we're we're spread out a little bit too part of our our growth has come from other mission organizations who traditionally have not seen um, North America as a as a mission field, and so there's very I don't want to say very little, but the, but traditionally most mission agencies focus on overseas, and so they didn't have quite the leadership or the the platform or the opportunities here in America. And so some of those other mission agencies have seconded people to us. So I have uh, I have a lot of friends that get interested in, in ministry, and before long they're talking about starting their own 501c3. And oftentimes I've seen where their particular ministry could be, you know, in partnership with a church or different organization. You know, I had a friend that was doing mercy ministry and very small group of his friends that were helping him out with this. And I thought, man, if he starts this 501c3, that's like a, uh, that's very entrepreneurial. It's like starting up a company and he's not going to be doing any of the work that he wants to be doing that God's calling him to do. He's just going to be, you know, filing papers and dealing with receipts and all this other stuff. And so I said, Hey, why don't you find a church that, that'll help you? Uh, Cause they've already got all of that stuff involved, but for both of you, you share in common that you've both gone ahead and started uh, started your own organizations, and I, I imagine a lot of people listening to this podcast might be in similar shoes going, man, do I do I find an organization to work with? Do I start my own? Do, do I put this under a church? What do I, what do, I do? So what would, be, uh, what would be some of your advice to them about starting, kind of starting out on your own? 
I'll go first here. Um, so this is Bobby with Go Ten, and I, I would say, it, had I known more at the time when I started the organization, I probably wouldn't have. Had I known others were doing some similar things that I was doing, I probably wouldn't have started it. Um, I started it because I didn't think anybody was doing what we were doing. Um, hmm. So, which is just kind of naive on my part, but so I think that relates to my advice. If there's somebody that's out there doing it and it fits with what God's called you to do and you're in the mission and the plan is the same, man, put your energy into that and join somebody. I mean, I would take somebody on my team today that has an entrepreneurial spirit who would like to, to join and pioneer new areas because it takes that kind of um, thought and skill set. So I would much rather have somebody like that on my team that I could delegate a, um, a region or a, a program or something and let someone grow it if that's what they want to do. There's definitely room for that. I would agree in that there are a lot of um, tasks that have to be done as far as leading an organization that is going to take you out of the trenches. But I think that's one of the beauties of my job today is that where I chose to live, my friends that I connect with allows me to be right in the middle of ministry while I lead the organization. So if that's kind of a, a big you know, thing for you too, I think that there's space for that. I, I would just be cautious to just try to follow. I mean, there's things that we can learn from other organizations that have gone before us. We can learn best practices from them, but that doesn't mean that you have to do it that way. Uh, and so I, I choose to live where I live and engage in the ministry that I'm engaged in, engaged in on a daily basis. And at the same time, I'm, I'm meeting with board members and in churches and trying to raise funds and setting policies in place and dealing with HR issues. I, I get to do all of that kind of stuff. But at the same time, my neighbors are Muslims. So, <laughs> so I get to do a little bit of both. But I, I guess at the end of the day, I would say, I mean, if there's somebody doing it already, go join it and make it better. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I, I would, I would agree. I mean, I think it's, it's funny because obviously, you know, you hear, you hear the, our, our two organizations kind of, back to back and you think, man, those are really similar. But I think in many ways, I would say the, the same thing to what Bobby just said there of like, when we, when we originally started Forefront, we, uh, it, it felt like there weren't many people out there that were doing what we were doing. Um, and so that was why we, that was why we did. It can be hard. Uh, it can be hard, especially for those who are, who are apostolically bent, who want to push into new space which many people who would listen to this would be very likely. Um, it can be hard for them to work uh, within, like, you know, have an, an, their own organization within a church sometimes um, if the church doesn't understand what they're doing. But at the same time, if the church does get what they're doing, it can be a massive boost for them as well because the church has, you know, the church has the resources, the church has the people, the church has the money, the church has the ability to really push things forward, obviously. And so if you can find that good partner, uh, it, it can, it can mean a lot. Uh, I would also totally agree with what Bobby said, you know, where, where we have grown historically have been finding people who have been, like he said, who say, Hey, I want to do this. It looks like you guys are doing it. 
can I be a part of what you're doing? Uh, and that's that's how we've grown into that's how we've grown into different areas. So you know, finding people you know for us who are focused on focused on movements, focused on disciple making, focused on meeting needs, focused on reaching unreached people who are here in the U.S. I mean, those individuals, if those people are out there, obviously stepping into a place where you don't have to worry about the HR policies, uh, you know, you don't have to worry about the hiring procedures and all of those things. Um, that's that's a win. Uh, I, I I promise you, uh, that's a win. And so uh, that would be that be that would be that would be my advice as well. Would be if you find somebody that you align with that you can really get behind, um, that and and that will allow you to run after what you want to run after at the same time. Um, you know, as long as it's in bounds, I would say, yeah, go go do that for sure. But at the same time, I would I would say the reason that Matt and I both you know, we're engaged in starting organizations is because we saw gaps. And so um, in those, so I, I would encourage anybody out there that sees a gap to, to not be paralyzed by not knowing how it's going to work or how it's going to fund, or if, even if it's possible, but to step into those gaps, it's that same kind of apostolic gift or passion or whatever that, that moved people to uh, move move to the 1040 window or move outside of the 1040 window. It's, it's that same kind of uh, filling gaps that I think is needed. And so I, you know, just had we not jumped into what we are, I don't know that we would have recognized that the unreached were actually here. Um, but now we become champions of that among the churches that we work with, other organizations, mission agencies, and even people like who listen to this podcast. I want to make sure people know the unreached are here. It doesn't negate what's going on overseas, but they're right here. So it was a gap. That's right. That's good. Yeah, uh, the other thing, other thing I'll say too is there, there are ways as well to do it with a minimally viable product. Too. You know, there are ways, there are organizations and entities out there now that handle all of the 501c3 stuff, handle all of the compliance and those things, and just kind of bring you in underneath that. And honestly, if I were if I were starting small, that's what I would do today is I would I would start there and try to build progressively from there and see if there is momentum and grow and learn. And, and like Bobby was saying about those gaps, that you're trying to actually fill those gaps without trying to go through all of the rigor of the, the, the process and filing the paperwork and all of those things while you can, you know, while some people can handle that for you. One other thought that I would add to this 501c3 comment is, uh, is GoTen didn't really intend to do that, uh, to start in this way. But we were we were based out of a church, and I had three advisory uh, members. That's what they were an advisory team who were leading us through this. But but GoTen outgrew the church, and so when we outgrew the church, it was time on more board members. Those three uh, advisory team members became board members. We got two additional board members. And actually, it was the board members that did all the paperwork. So, huh, you know, good. honestly, I'm not sure how hard it was to start a title. So your real advice is have oh, board right. advisors who will do the paperwork for you. That's actually uh, great advice right there. Yeah, it's not, yeah. I, I'm so yeah, encouraged that's, that's by... accidentally what happened with us. <laughs> well, you guys, uh, as founders of, of sending agencies, that's a, that's a big deal. I, I think about, you know... 
I don't remember that being on any of my high school guidance counselors list of recommended occupations, you know, it's like to get to, to get to that spot. Um, it, it must've been like a, uh, a definite pathway in life, feeling called and moving in, in those directions. Do you guys, um, what, what kinds of, uh, initial, I guess, what, when would you say that you, you knew that there was some kind of calling to do, to go along those lines and do something, uh, out of the ordinary like that, Matt, why don't we start with you this time? Yeah. Um, so, so when I was, when I was in college, I, I really felt, I mean, God really changed, God really changed my life in college. And it, I was in an environment where talking about doing ministry, talking about living specifically, like living among the unreached was very normal. Um, and, and, and I'm, it's, that's, there's some parts of that that were healthy. There were some parts of that that were kind of confusing. And so um, I would say that, that, I, I knew that I wanted to live among the unreached. And so uh, I, I didn't know what that was going to look like, but I knew that I wanted to do something. I felt God stirring my heart for people who had no access to the gospel um, and, and just thinking about, man, what, what does it mean for, what does it mean for people to be born to live and to die without ever in their life having access to the gospel? Um, and so God, God really began stirring my heart for that. And we had an opportunity to move, to work with unreached people uh, at a what I say it was a, it was a good opportunity or really even just an okay opportunity at a great time in our lives. My wife and I had been married for a year at that point, and it was it was it was the right time for us to go. We didn't have kids, we didn't have anything holding us back, and so we moved. Um, and we were, I mean, we were naive. We were we we, we were very idealistic about what it was going to look like. Um, but God used used the difficulty of that season and and a lot of the the successes of that season to point us on the trajectory that we're on uh, that we're on now. But really, it was just God stirring my affection for the unreached and, and coming to a realization that man, I've got to be a part of something to reach these people who have no access to the gospel. So in a lot of uh, church growth studies, uh, people have figured out that younger, newer churches grow faster and reach more unreached than do older, more established churches. And so I think each style of church or each generation of church has its own advantage and disadvantage. I imagine there's a comparable list that we could build of uh, regarding agencies, ones that are more established and ones that are newer. So what are the advantages you see uh, that your organization has over the more seasoned agencies out there? I've, I've always kind of compared our our uh, agency to to like a, we're more like a a ski boat than we are a uh, a battleship. And so you know, a big ship just takes time to to turn. It's established. it it has rules and regulations and some of those are really beneficial you know because they've learned from experience and so they don't make these mistakes but the bigger that ship gets the more assets that you tend to want to protect of of what you've built and being a light nimble agency relatively small and new um, some of the same kinds of of passions and willingness to take risks that got us into this in the beginning um, are still very much part of our DNA. And so we are willing to take some risks and do things that are 
that are different. And so I think that's probably one of the things is that I kind of consider us light and fast. Um, so, so if we want to shift or pivot because of an opportunity that arises, just like this last year, we, it wasn't on our strategic plan to go to Colorado Springs, but the situation just kind of unfolded in front of us and we were able to shift resources and and, and jump into that and establish a, a new location in Colorado Springs. And I don't know how easy that is for another organization to do with all the qualifications and expectations that, that people have to go through to jump through that. So I, to me, I think that's one of those things. Plus, I, I think another thing is that we don't quite fit the the norm and of, of just a, an agency that's been established for a hundred years. And because of that, I think we're attractive to people who are not looking for that. So um, especially younger missionaries who are going, they, they still want people with experience to lead them, but they don't necessarily want the um, organizational mandate that, that comes with a hundred year old organization that they feel like they'd be trapped immediately and not have the freedom to do what they wanna do. And so I, I feel like that, there's both um, the light and fast by being small and new and uh, maybe a little bit risky and, and willing to risk. And then also just, I think who we attract uh, changes things a little bit. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think I, I would, I would say something really similar to our, our ability to adjust based on what we're receiving, you know, the, the information that we're getting, the feedback that we're receiving based on what's working, what's not working, we're able to assess that and pivot really quickly. Um, I know that that word, that word uh, you know, became overused uh, during COVID, but really and truly it, it, we're, we're able to assess what's working, what's not working, and in a very short amount of time, begin to focus away from or towards uh, those things based on what's happening. And that is a, that's a massive advantage, you know, because we're not having to, we're not having to, to, to work through kind of the, the bureaucracy of, of really large organizations, which obviously have massive advantages, but we're not having to figure out, okay, what, you know, we have to talk to this person who then has to talk to this person who then has to talk to a big group. Mm -hmm. uh, it, we're able to make the decision very quickly and we do that. I mean, that's another thing organizationally we do. We go, you know, we spend time reflecting uh, and, and, and discussing what's going well, what's going poorly uh, very regularly. Every, you know, every, every semester is how we split up our year. But about three times a year, we're looking at what are the things that are working? What are the things that are not working? And looking to do more of the things that are working and less of the things that are not working. So it allows our efficiency to be at a really, really high level for the majority of the time. I think there's also another uniqueness within our organizations is that sometimes in some circles we might be called sending agencies because we do actually, well, I do, our, our organization does send people overseas as well. And then there's also missionaries that are hanging out right here in North America. So we, maybe we could be called a sending and staying agency. I'm not exactly sure how you, how you would label us, but I think there's something really unique about kind of, being here in North America that makes things different is that we we really recognize that the church is an asset and a tool and filled with people who can go who don't need a passport who don't even need a team honestly who don't need to be on our staff and it sounds like that's an introduction too it's very similar and that 
they want to equip people to do the same. And so if you think about that from the mission agency's mindset is typically, you know, the, the, the typical way was that the agency took people from the church and then sent them and kind of, you know, helped them go. And, and so we don't really see ourselves as taking people from a church to do that as much as we see us as, as, a, as an asset to the church to go. And so I think it, it just changes things and even a church's willingness to invite us in and call us uh, a partner. It, I don't think they see us as a, as a vendor or someone who's they're sending people, you know, to us so that we take care of them, but they actually see us linking, see us as a partner that links arms and, and works in the same neighborhoods we work in. Right, right. So I, I want to circle back to something that you said, which you referenced that there are younger people coming and depending on which agency we're talking about, some agencies really struggle. Uh, some only struggle a little, but I think everybody can agree. We all wish to see younger generations getting involved in, in ministry, um, uh, in missions as well. Uh, what, uh, why do you think that they are showing up? Why do you think that they're joining what you guys are doing? I mean, I, I think I think there are two. I think there are two main reasons. I think number one is we have great young people on staff. Um, so they're able to see young people who they relate to, who are in a similar demographic to them. It's, and I will say, it is not easy. It is not easy to hire the best people in that demographic as well. But the reality is, is we have we have great young people who have friends who are in that demographic and who are those are the people that they're bringing alongside are are those individuals. Um, so I think that that's a huge. I think that that's a huge piece. Um, of it, I think that also kind of kind of like what Bobby was saying is is that the 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 barrier to entry for our ministry is so much lower because I'm not telling anyone that they have to quit their job and they have to get on a plane and move to the middle of nowhere. I mean, I'm 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 telling people, hey, I want you to stay in your job. I don't want you to stop being a nurse or a graphic designer or a you know teacher or whatever it is. I want you to stay in your job, and I want to equip you to be a disciple maker, not only in that place, but also in the other hours of your life as well. So that's another. I mean, that's another huge piece is that we're not telling people, and I think that goes across the board. But uh, but especially for young people who are trying to establish themselves, who are trying to build a life, not saying, "Hey, you have to put all of that on pause, on hold, for you to be able to come and be a part of what we're doing." Um, so that's a that's another big piece, I think, as well. And I think for us, we have um, we have we have young people who desire to go to the nations and have expectations of that but don't ever feel ready i think that's part of the younger generation is they want to be trained and they want to be trained again and they want to be trained again and just be in this continual environment of training um but i i also don't think that they want to be that they want to stall out i don't think that's intentional i don't think it's an excuse to not go i just genuinely think they want to be really well equipped in where they're going and i think that we too offer a low bar because we're often viewed as well i could go get another year of training or another two years of training by working with go 10 here domestically and then i'll get ready to go so we, I think that the majority of our staff actually had expectations to go overseas, but as they get involved with training, get and, and be part of a team and start to grow, they start to see the strategic nature of what we're doing. 
And then they're able to make the decision of maybe they are supposed to go overseas and we'll be happy to help them with that. Or maybe they're just supposed to stay. Um, and, and, and so I think one of the challenges that we face with this is that we get kind of like Matt, we have good young leaders who attract good young leaders. And so once you get that moving, um, our team in Phoenix is definitely our largest team. We, we need more people in Dallas. We definitely need more people in Colorado Springs. And we want to engage other cities in North America. We attract people here because of the team environment. And so once that happens and relationships are built with immigrants that they're living in the, the same apartment, with, it's incredibly hard to get them to go, okay, now, Cut the ties here with these relationships that you've built, and let's move you to Seattle. Okay, it just it's just challenging for that to happen. So I think that's one of the areas that it's <laughs> it's difficult. We have a good problem of attracting, but it's incredibly hard to get those uh, to cut the ties of the relationships. I think that's another factor of the younger generation is that they want to work, they want to play, they want to train, and they want to live all in the same area. And so we offer that. And I think it's very attractive. But when you're trying to get them to go, okay, go plant that someplace else, uh, we find that very challenging to move those people into new areas. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's just kind of, I guess maybe that's kind of the downside of what we do. Or in, in our situation, we found that to be challenging. Well, that, that brings up a, another um, kind of line of discussion in terms of, of how people are interconnected. And you, you guys are both uh, working with diaspora. And I have this, this sense that, uh, in engaging with the diaspora in North America, we have a lot of, uh, ability to impact their home countries and, and to, to see the gospel travel without sending somebody Western, you know, and even just, you know, over social networking and things like that. Um, how, how, uh, integral do you think Welcoming, welcoming outsiders is to this bigger picture of the Global Great Commission. Do you, do you uh, have a sense or any stories about how that might be playing out? Yeah, let me. Can I just jump in there real quick because this is exciting and 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 actually happening with us right now, and it does involve sending another, sending people, Western people, as missionaries to another country. But because we had a team here in Phoenix, working among a people group, an unreached Muslim people group here in Phoenix, where there's about 4,000 of them here. And they did such a good job. They began learning language. They began connecting with people that by the time they got to the country in Asia where they are now, the t- our team members are there now on the ground, they started out with about 100 different relationships of people that were driving miles away to come see their their friend's brother, their friend's a sister, you know, they're, they're coming to see family members and connect. And I remember when I first moved overseas, that was not the case. Hmm. I had like one friend and then that one friend introduced me to somebody else. And this team started immediately. We also saw this happen when we went to a refugee camp. Uh, we went to a refugee camp in Bangladesh. And uh, when we showed up, there were 40 people out of that refugee camp waiting at the gate for us to come in because their family members here in Phoenix told them we were coming and they told their family members to welcome us. So that so just that relationship of that is established and and really loving people genuinely and allowing them to see what kind of people we are 
helps us not start out in such a big hole when we do move overseas. I mean, if we do move, we've also seen, um, you know, stories, Bible stories shared across WhatsApp from family members here to family members there. So we've definitely seen it and, and recent. Yeah. Yeah. I would totally agree. I mean, I think for me, the thing that I come back to regularly as I kind of am reminding myself of, of, of what we're doing and why we're doing it is kind of exactly what you've just laid out there of God is bringing the nations to these cities across the world and geopolitical borders still obviously matter, but the way that the gospel is going to spread is going to look different. You know, that's that's a goal of what we're doing is to see disciple-making movements happen among individuals here in Dallas that spread to other cities in North America, that spread to back to home countries. And, uh, and, and that's, and that's what we're working towards. And, and obviously, you know, if you see, if you see, uh, uh, what, whoever it is, if you see Syrians reached here in Dallas, Fort Worth, those Syrians are going to reach other Syrians that they have relationships with in America. And then those Syrians are going to reach other individuals that, uh, that, that that's happening to in other player in other areas around the world. And this is, you know, th- this is, this is already happening in some ways where you find people who are people of peace who are willing to share like Bobby said, who are willing to share back into their communities in other places. It's happening with uh, finding cult near culture, um, uh, you know, insiders who are, who are here that then go and share the gospel here, but also back in their home countries. So, so uh, training and equipping them to do that. Um, we've, we've, we've been a part of that in several different places as, as well. And so there, there are, there's just tons of opportunities for that. The, the fact is that if we, if we can figure out how to crack the code on, on really doing that, it would be, it would be a, uh, it would be a massive, massive boost to the global, uh, to the global great commission. And that was, that was originally what your question was, is, is what does this mean? And I think it means, I think reaching these large cities really means everything. More and more people are moving to cities. Cities are becoming increasingly diverse, reaching diverse cities is the future of, uh, of the world. Uh, at least in my opinion, uh, others could disagree with me, but, but I, I mean, I think just based on current trends, we have to figure out how to reach these, these mega cities, uh, and then, and then see how the gospel spreads from there. Well, as we uh, wrap up our podcast, I know a lot of our listeners are going to be really enthused by what you have shared, uh, on the podcast today. And so I'm, I just want to give you guys an opportunity. How can people learn more about joining your organization? Do you have any links that they can check out? Uh, how do they get in contact with you? Yeah, you, you could definitely hit our website. We have lots of different opportunities in the cities that we're in. If people are interested in joining us as a, as a staff or in internship, um, or if you maybe live in one of those cities that I mentioned and you're just wanting to engage uh, as a volunteer, we've got easy volunteer access for, to get people to help take those first uh, small steps. And so you can go to our website, goten.org and see different opportunities that are there uh, in the cities that we're in. If you're interested in volunteering with us or maybe you you live in a city that I mentioned there, then there's volunteer opportunities for you to engage and walk closer with us. And then the other thing is if you're sitting out there listening and you really wish there were something like uh, a GoTen in your city, 
that's part of our strategic plan is that we're looking for people that are out there that will raise their hand and say, I wish this was here. That's kind of our uh, our plan to move forward is to look at where God's already mobilized people. And then we try to equip those that are there. So you, you don't have to move to Phoenix to be able to be part of this. You could do it right where you are. We'll be happy to coach you and help you get there. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree uh, with what Bobby said there. So, yeah, you can go to you can go to our website, our website, sportrunexperience.com. Um, you can just Google that as well. There's, you know, we have opportunities to get involved uh, at, a, at a lot of different levels uh, in the cities that we're in, obviously. And then, like Bobby said, you know, if you if you have a desire to, to be involved in disciple making, uh, specifically movement focused, if you have a desire to, to be a part of that in in North America, reach out to us, uh, send us a, we, we, you know, you can go to the website and fill out a thing there. Uh, yeah, we'd love to, we'd love to talk and help anybody get coaching, help anybody become equipped to, to reach the unreached specifically who are, who are living in cities to help equip people to be effective ministers of the gospel, uh, wherever they're at specifically focus on those, those people who are coming from places where they've had no access to the gospel. So yeah, just reach out on the website and we'd be, we'd be happy to help. Bobby, Matt, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, thank you guys for what you do, getting the message out there. And hopefully the things that we've said today would either inspire somebody, encourage them, or, yeah, ho- hopefully that God would take this and multiply it like you did the fishes and loaves. So thank you guys for what you do. Uh, oftentimes, as we have phone calls with our guests, uh, the conversation carries on, and today, if you stick around after the break, you can catch something from the clipping floor uh, where uh, Bobby asks questions of Matt, and it's just a, a delicious little uh, bit that you can stick around after the break and listen to. You've been listening to the Medina Podcast. This show is hosted by Brian Bear and produced by Nate Schultz. The conversations we have on this program are born out of an expanding environment of collaboration among grassroots ministry practitioners across the North American continent. If you would like to engage on a deeper level, please email us at medinafocus at vision59.com. Do we have time? You guys have just like a few more minutes. I'm going to ask this. Yeah, we have a few more minutes. Go for it. So typical, you mentioned movement a lot and in uh, creating movements. And I know what we're talking about with that. But I find that it's really different in North America when you're dealing with diaspora, that some of the models that are taught in typical missions training and missionary training and sending, it's just different in North America. I mean, because we have the church that's here, because because these people are trying to acclimate to our culture too. And I'm just I'm kind of curious on your thoughts regarding um, people who might actually want to go to church. <laughs> you know, they mm-hmm. want to attend a church with you, which believe it or not, it happens all the time. I've got a lot of Afghan friends or who want to go to church with me. And there's part of me that's like, no, I don't, I don't really want you to go to church with me because I, I don't mean this bad. I don't think that church is going to ruin them, but it does. It's definitely not movement oriented, you know? And mm-hmm. so yeah. I'm just kind of curious how you balance this, 
this idea when you have um, friends that actually want, as they step closer, that their natural step is to join you in church. And maybe you just do house church and so you don't, you avoid it all together. But then how do you partner with a church too? So I'm just kind of curious how you, how you balance all that. Yeah, I mean that's a great question. I mean, we, I mean, literally last week we had a uh, we had an all staff call where that was that was the first it was we talked about the whole time, um, and it, I mean it is it is an issue. I mean, so we try to we try to split the baby in like four or five different ways. Honestly, you know, so we do house church, but we're still connected to legacy churches. Um, we also, but but I mean, you know, also you have people who, especially Muslim people, you have people who will say, hey, I want to I want to learn, you know, especially international students who are here for a cultural, you know, kind of a cultural uh, lesson, if you will, where they're saying, hey, I want to go to church. Like, I want to experience what that's like. Um, that is that is not movement oriented. It's not they, they cannot multiply a, a legacy, you know, a tr- traditional legacy church. And, and so. You know, we've we have people on staff who have landed in in several different places. You know, I think a lot of it has to do with how you explain it as well. You know, explaining, hey, this is what church is. Uh, this is this is why it kind of looks this way in our context. But also, it's probably going to look really different in your context. Uh, I, I, that's that's where some people have landed. Some people obviously bring them into house church as well. But the problem the problem is is I think especially I think especially in the movement world the the kind of knee-jerk reaction towards house church has been like oh well that's going to solve all your problems but that's not true because what they're experiencing in that house church is a very western iteration of house church anyways and so mm-hmm. you, you can't remove the fact that the cultural burden is still there within a house church um and so you know that's going to be i mean that's going to be another that's going to be another problem so I mean, the, the 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 simple answer is I don't have an answer. You know, we've we've tried we've tried a hundred different. I mean, not a hundred. We've tried we've tried a dozen different ways to answer that question because we do. You know, you do just get asked a lot, um, and it's not it's not a simple question to answer. Uh, it's not just as simple as as what you would be told a lot of times as it is. It's just not that simple. Um, so figuring out how you walk through that. Another another big thing too would be explaining that as the church, it's not just an event. You know, it's not just Friday prayer. It is. You know, we're we want to be the church to one another. And you know, we, if we're really serious about kind of being that Acts to church, it's going to have implications for Monday through Saturday um, that that otherwise might not be there. So, I don't know if that I don't know if that helps at all or just adds more questions. But I mean, it's it's funny that you brought that up because I mean, we just spent several hours as a staff discussing that that very question. Yeah, one of the reasons I bring it up, and I think it's funny that you said an all-staff call. Uh, that's what we have on Friday, uh, and it is on that uh-huh. very topic. And so I was like, well, I'm going to get some of the experts' opinions before <laughs> I have that call on Friday and see what somebody says. Yeah, we, We've done a lot of the same things where we just have kind of a hybrid. And for some reason, I always want to land on that there is a right way. But I think when we're lit- talking about North America – I think you have to have a hybrid. And so I've I've found that that some of my where we start story groups. So these are like Bible story groups that we started. Those groups never want to go to our churches, but it's the individual friendships that I have. And it's more of an isolation. And so we're, we're really trying to evaluate, is this a good thing to do or not do when someone Mm -hmm. wants to come? 
When, yeah. One thing that Matt said that I think was key, yeah. and I don't think I've ever heard anybody say, because we always think, well, brick and mortar church, that's the Western style church. So I'll do house church. That's the non-Western style. And what Matt said was, even our understanding of house church here in the West is still a product of Western church thinking. And I think that's something that's hard for us to mm-hmm. grasp and get our heads around is that we just think of time and touch and experience together in a very different way, whether it's in a group of 500 or in a group of 10, we just think of it differently. And that's a hard, hard thing to get out of. All right, guys, we got to run. Thanks for the time. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you.